Hey, Gabriel Lee. Hey, Gabriel Jose. Where are we today? I'm in Palm Springs. Where are you? I'm also in Palm Springs, three, no, not even like, yeah, three feet away from you right now. Fantastic. Yeah, probably not the safest choice, but yeah. One of us, we won't say who, tested positive for COVID three days ago. <laughs> we assume that probably that person is better now. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. But we don't know. We yeah. don't care. Yeah. We're so rarely together. Yeah, we'll that just we take our chances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we needed to record. It's like we couldn't actually, you know, like with help from the audience, you know. We're doing it for you, single the person listening to the listener. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, what if it was this time? So this was my pick, right? I think so. We chose, well, I chose The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie by Buñuel. What year is this from? 60... no, 72. Oh, 72. So yeah. it's like one of the latest ones. Yeah. Oh, I think that is like next to the last or something of his wow, movies. Wow, he went out with a bang. Yeah. So what it, uh, why did you pick this movie? I have zero recollection about why I picked this movie. What did we watch last? Uh, the Exterminating Age. Oh, that's why. Yeah. And I think that you were a bit more of a, hey, I think that this is the same story. But Disseminating Angel was a decade before this. But also, it's the same as Viridiana? No, it's not the same as Viridiana, too. <laughs> uh, but yes, this was your pick. I guess that I have to try to summarize this. A very surreal movie. I'm not going to go into all of the details. But basically, follows the story, the adventures of a group of friends that they are trying to have dinner together. And every single, they're like a succession of vignettes, in every single vignette, they're trying to have dinner, but for whatever random reason, they can't. It's like maybe one of them is like, oh, we got the day wrong. Another one is like, oh, we went to have dinner at this place and someone died in there. Or they actually go to a tea salon and they don't have tea or coffee or anything. And also they're sitting down to have dinner and there are war games that the army just shows up and they're like, well, we hope the house survives. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we need to actually do like any kind of a spoiler warning or anything. No, this is 54 years old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that is enough. 52, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's two hours, they don't have dinner. Never. No, I mean, like there are several sequences that they are dreams, but I like that Buñuel doesn't tell you that they are dreams. Is that because we were watching yesterday, me and my boyfriend, we were watching Belle de Jour, and he does the same thing. I'm like, here you go, and I sing until it gets like really, really weird, and then you say, this has to be a dream. And then the character wakes up, and it's the same thing that happens here. It's like some of the sequences start like becoming like more and more bizarre until someone wakes up. And towards the end of the film, there are dreams within it dreams. dreams yeah. And he didn't have to name the film something like Inception because he understood the audience might be smart enough to get that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't think that there is anything. I mean, all of the characters are a bit more of portray of high class, high society, let's say. One of them is an ambassador. To a Miranda, fictional the South, fictional, American, yeah, South country. American country. Yeah, but it looks like it's a banana republic, basically. That he's being threatened by terrorists. But we don't and know he's smuggling cocaine in his diplomatic bag when he travels. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and his friends are also like as sketchy as he is, basically. There is also like this girl. That I'm not completely sure what her role is because like you're not the wife of anyone. She's the naughty sister. That's how I referred. Oh, I read sister. how she was referred to in a review. Um, yeah, I 
I think the characters in this film are fair, not fairly, they're very stereotypical, which yep. is fine because of the, the tone of this film. Like, it's very satirical, like nothing is supposed to be taken seriously. And actually, when we were mentioning all the interruptions so that they couldn't have dinner, the best one is when they finally sit down with the, a colonel, with a, a colonel yep. in, in the military. Um, all the walls fall away and they find out they're on a stage. Oh, yeah. And they're That's super stressed that. that they don't know the words the to lies. the plays that they're in. <laughs> and they're like, they don't know the words. <laughs> and they have like the guy like trying to say the lines, but they start like getting stressed and, and they run away. And everyone boos yeah. and they're like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. I like the other one when they're like closer to really have dinner. That is like someone, like some bad people, like coming and start like killing them all. But it's like one of them actually rolls under the table and he's like just eating a ham. <laughs> like, I'm not concerned right now about surviving, you know, I'm concerned about eating. So I have to say, this is the second time I've seen this film. The first time in maybe 15, 20 years. I remember loving it. I remember being very impacted by the scene when they're on the stage. Yep. I was like, what the fuck is this? This is amazing. Yeah. Um, but I have to say that this is not a film that I feel like I can grasp without the guidance of people that know more than me about cinema. So I read several essays about this, and I think I get it. I don't think you have to get it to enjoy it. I think it's a very, very entertaining film, but it's smarter than me, I guess I'll say. Okay, can you explain it to me then? No, I can't. So the essay that explained the film the most about me said this was all about what the interruptions are about. So this is supposed to be upper middle class. They're like uh, diplomats and I would say they're upper class, but according to everything I've read, this is supposed to be a satire of the middle class. But every interruption is like death that fucks up middle class and then it's like war war just comes and they're like well uh, i guess this is fine or um all of the interruptions are apparently supposed to be what the film is about and how that impacts the middle class but how naive they are to understand those interruptions and from that perspective i'm like that's yeah, pretty good yeah it, it was interesting super interesting yeah i mean i didn't think about life from that perspective because it's true is that there are vignettes but at the end, it's like what it what it takes. It's like at the end, it's, like, it's the interruption. It's like you know, after 20 minutes of the, of the movie, you already know. It's like okay, there's going to be a pattern. There's going to be like a sequence of we almost have dinner, or we are preparing for having dinner, and dinner doesn't happen for one reason or another. But then there are other scenes like when uh, the uh, ambassador uh, kidnaps. I don't even know how to say. It. Like just finds the terrorist. And I just gets her into the house, and there is like that play back and forth between them that is not dinner related. But that's a dream. That's not like in the current tense. Do you remember? Because he kills her at the end, and then he wakes up. Is that one of the dreams? Sorry, I may have forgotten like that part. Yeah, because somebody woke up and he's like, oh, he told his wife, I had the worst dream. Uh, the colonel whoever killed the, the terrorist. And she's like, what? Go to sleep. You're too silly. No, but that was like uh, the dream I see is like when they invited him, all of them to the house of the colonel after the maneuvers. That's one dream, but there's like 15 dreams. In yeah, 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 there is like all of them. Yeah, I didn't remember that specific one being a dream because that was... Yeah, the other part about like the guy having an affair with a wife... Like, was that real? I don't know. But I then those same two characters are at a party, and one insults the fictional country of Miranda, and the ambassador gets super, super upset and just shoots him. Yeah, yeah, but and that's that a, dream. Was a dream. That yeah. one was a dream. Like, and the funny thing is, like, 
who wakes up thinking about this is not any of the characters involved in that discussion. You know, it's not about like the ambassador, they like, just feel like, oh my god, I have to defend the honor of my country. So it makes it like even more confusing. Is that I like this movie, but also at the same time, is what you said, that maybe I'm not smart enough for just like grasping like, the complete, you know, like power of it. When I feel that like, Disseminating Angel or even like Bell de York that we were watching yesterday, I feel like they are more straightforward. I mean, they have like a symbology and anything, a critique to the middle, high class, middle, upper class. But this one, it felt like, okay, yeah, this is a critique to them. They are like just being very stupid, very obnoxious. The scene when they prepare the martini and they call the chauffeur for it's like, oh, can you try this? And Enrique Zimini is like, oh, such a simple talk. But that was one of the best scenes that I feel illustrated that this yeah. was like a judgment of the upper or high class. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. like, oh, look, they think that the worst thing you can do is drink a, mar a dry martini wrong, but then they have all these problems and they're super fucked up. Yeah. And, and they yeah, embarrass and themselves by like rejecting yeah. a priest because he was in the wrong clothes. And then when he has the right clothes, yeah, like, that's very oh, your or the priest like just shooting the other guy. He's like, yeah, I will give you the string. How is it, how is it called? Like the final. Oh, the the last rites. The last rites. And yeah, then yeah. he finds out that guy murdered his parents. Yep. Yeah. And then he goes and kills. Yeah. So there is, it's true. I think there is a bit more of really ridiculizing them, or just like showing the kind of uh, hypocrisy that there is, on just like giving value to the wrong kind of things. So I didn't know until you said this that this is one of his last films. It's I think so I'm, it's he you told me that he gave up his Spanish citizenship during the Franco regime. Yeah. Went to Mexico yeah. and then went to France. So his last final films are French, right? Yeah. So we just saw Poor Things by Yorgos Lanthimos where we think that he's had so many like awards and recognition in the last few years that studios gave him money and was like do whatever you want and he we think fulfilled his like insane vision of whatever he really wanted to make films about yeah. i wonder if the tone and the chaoticism and the randomness of this is what buñuel wanted to do his entire career and he was at the end and he's like I'm just going to make this fucking weird-ass film. <laughs> and maybe there's no meaning to it. Maybe, like, he has nothing to say that's more interesting than we can project onto it. No, maybe. Maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not. I still think that it's... It's a movie that I was thinking, like, half through it, that is, like, this could have been a theater play. And when they it opened the stage... Yeah. Play, yeah. And when they actually opened the stage, he's like, oh. It is it's play. a theater <laughs> play, actually. They thought about it. One thing that I suck of that is that they, I think that they check a trailer and they had that scene on the trailer, how it actually opened, like the, uh, like the curtains there. I'm like, dude, is that this would have been like a very over-the-top, like, shock, you know? That would have oversold the film's absurdism to me, but I understand that it's, it's iconic. That scene yeah. is iconic. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but it's like, I was just expecting it to happen. So when yeah. they step into the room and it's like, oh, actually that's painted in the wall. It's not, not a real wall. You know, is that you can just like detect that it's like, hey, this is really like a stage. This is where this is going to happen. But regardless of whether or not either of us are smart enough to understand this film, it's a f like a fun watch. Oh, like, yeah. I really enjoyed it. It's super entertaining. There's the scene. There's a scene where they're all trying to have lunch. They're trying to eat, and the two hosts sneak away to have sex. <laughs> and they just immediately assume it's because the police are coming to arrest them because they're all criminals. Yep. They're all yep. super immoral. 
And I was like, this is hilarious. Even if I don't get it, I don't get the big picture, it's yeah. funny. It's a really good film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's enjoyable to watch. And I'm already giving away one of the questions. It's like, I watch it with my parents. And uh, actually, my father really enjoyed it. My mother was like, this is really silly and doesn't make too much sense. That I had to agree. What, but were they fans of like Vera Diana, like the earlier Bunuel? Uh, my father, yes. Was... My father, my father. Yeah, he really likes uh, both, you know. So, uh, and they know, you know, like from historical context and everything, so they can relate a bit to some of the topics, you know, because they were alive for these times. Would you consider yourself, because you're from Spain, part of the class that Bunuel is making fun of? I don't think that we were that rich, honestly. No? No, I don't think so. Because honestly, this doesn't feel like medium. This feels like high class. Yeah, like ambassadors are not typically just like your yeah, average like middle class. You know, it's like, hey, you know, it's like, please, the maid is bringing the gardener here. It's like, no, this is not medium class. Maybe in France it is, you know. Everything least, is better in France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But not a, uh, how do you say, not there. Uh, but yeah, no, I like it. It's, I appreciate it. I think that it's like one of those movies that I can see I can see why it's so iconic, why yep. people know about it, why people have talked about it like for years, and what is like the influence of Buñuel, like through this movie, The Exterminating Angel, Viridiana, many others, is that hey, this, without this, we wouldn't have David Lynch. And I'm pretty sure that we said this like the last time we were recording about The Exterminating Angel, but even like watching this, it just makes me put in perspective like other creators nowadays and say, like, you don't have that much to say. <laughs> you stole it from Buñuel. I didn't want to bring David Lynch up because we, I feel like we bring him up in every podcast. But Oh, we can bring up Lars von Trier if you want. No, I would prefer to talk about Lars. <laughs> <laughs> but when I was watching this film, I was like, holy shit. When, I, when we watched uh, Time of the Wolf, uh, no, Hour of the Wolf, Time of the Wolf? The Bergman one. Okay, the Bergman one? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's at, super When insane. I was watching that, and I was like, holy shit, David Lynch like saw this film and took big portions of it. Yep. When I was watching this, I was like, holy God. Like David Lynch took his like, the way he just expects us to accept absurdism with no question. It's yep. just, this is the yep. way we're going to It was like, he took us from that film. Yep. Yeah, he did, he added like a bit of a, how do you say, like the noir. Yeah. From the 50s and 60s. But the style is unmistakably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the narrative style that mm -hmm. he uses is definitely this. Like he added like the impairing eeriness of noir, you know, and the mystery and the uneasiness to it. But it's like completely surreal. It's like I, I had to say, I was thinking about this. We were in the swimming pool and just like uh, talking for a while. I really appreciate that we have been doing this for years at this point because the more cinema that we was, the more I realized about like these kind of patterns. And I'm not like demeriting like Lynch or Trier or anyone, you know, but it's like the more that I recognize that it's like there were like people that they were doing amazing stuff, that it was like extremely raw and unfiltered, you know, like back then, and it was hard to consume. But it's like by nowadays standards, it's like you can compare, you can see like how this influence like some other incredible authors later. And it's almost like, you're going to hate me for this, but these directors, Buñuel, Bergman, Tarkovsky, they were <coughs> purer voices. And then these modern directors like David Lynch, even David Fincher, even Quentin Tarantino, they kind of found a way to take these styles and this like storytelling techniques 
and like merge it with the mainstream and that's why it's so popular because imagine like Lost Highway yeah. you remember the I can't remember the name of the character he's like Mr. Nobody the yeah, creepy yeah, yeah. gray man yeah, yeah 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 like imagine if in um the discreet charm the priest was as creepy as that guy it would have been a David Lynch film exactly <laughs> Well, you will have to change like a bit more the tone, you know. It's like, I think a that little would, bit, though. Well, but the thing is, just if you think about it, with all these very, very no frills kind of directing, is that there is barely no music, there is no like heavy-handed elements. Everything is more like around the narrative and the acting, and that's it. There is no like music guiding you. There is no atmosphere that he's trying to build with lights and the lights. It's a bit more. It's like this is happening, that's the reason why I think that is a more of a theatre play. David Lynch is a bit more about creating atmosphere. Yeah, so it's a mood. Like, yeah, it's a mood. 100%. So it's, it's not about like, hey, I changed this character here, I put it here, and it's the same thing. It's like, no, Lynch has like a lot of visual push that Buñuel didn't. And I'm not the merit in Buñuel, you know? I'm just saying that it's like, hey, I think that everything is an evolution. And I think that Buñuel was really popular back then. But the same way that David Lynch is, because just think is that David Lynch is not a Marvel movie. Yeah, David he's Lynch, a cult classic. Correct. Is uh, it, in, in Spain, was Buñuel widely acclaimed, or was he more cult classic -y? He was censored. That's why he left the French version. Yeah, that's the reason why he did Viridiana, and we almost don't have it nowadays, because he did it for the Spanish government. With Spanish money. So he was not beloved. So would you say he's a little bit like David Lynch, where he had a cult following, but he wasn't accepted by the masses? Well, he was more like there was no easy way of consuming. He was it. not a persona non grata, is it? But when uh, the transition happened, it's like people discover his cinema. And it was like, holy shit, this is one of the best directors ever. You know? But globally, outside of Spain, he was recognized. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was. Mm -hmm. You know, is it just thing that is like he was in Mexico and then he's like, or Mexico was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just come here. It's like, we already know, like, uh, a chain Andalus, uh, the Andalusian dog. Yeah, cool. I don't like that. I don't yeah. like it, no. No, nope. yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's like one of the most iconic sequels, you know, like 10 photographs. But it's, yeah. yeah. But it's like everyone knows that scene. Is that that's the part of it? Like he was like super influential, super well known in Spain. Is that because of the censorship? It was like completely Nobody pushed away. Yeah. So, but that doesn't mean that it was not accepted. It was more of a different circumstances. Just wasn't enough. Yeah, but it's like just think during the time when he was releasing like something like this Kerch Charm on the Bridge in '72, or no, or Bel de Jour in '68. I think that it was. Is that yeah? This guy was popular and he was really well respected, but also at the same time he could have come with whatever Hollywood was releasing. I honestly think that it would be like a similar situation to what David Lynch was for us during the 90s and 2000s. Do you think though that Hollywood was releasing anything in 1972 as interesting as... Oh no, 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 no. I'm saying okay. just from a box office perspective. Okay. From people... Just getting in front of audiences. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's like the same thing. Is like David Lynch could release, could announce that he's like, I'm releasing a new movie like in six months is that we'll be going crazy you know like holy shit we need to watch this but most people are going to be like eh, well, what is that is that like part of the marvel cinematic universe and i know we are mentioning like marvel a lot but i just say is like we cannot compare like from that perspective is that these are amateurs these are like people that they are taking cinema in a more creative way 
more like exploring the medium and pushing yeah, it forward. Yeah, the art form. Correct. And the other one is that it's using it for entertainment. And it's like, there is nothing wrong with that. But it's like, I think that Buñuel was in the boat of, hey, I'm doing something good. And people around that time, they actually thought, like, yeah, this is something good. But we are not going to be like making millions of dollars out of these productions. And I think fundamentally, it's important to understand what type of movie goer you are. I actually had this illuminating conversation with my uncle when I was like, I don't know, 19. And he could only classify movies as happy or sad. And I came to realize from that conversation that he's the type of person that goes to a, a movie to see a happy, com like a happy sh movie, a comedy, or a sad show. That's it. Um, but when you understand that you're the type of moviegoer that goes to see somebody that's playing with the art form and pushing it further than yes. it's been and making you question things and maybe it's not the perfect experience, but I think that's why you and I go to the cinema, so that's why this film is a huge success in my opinion. Yeah, I, mean, I don't disagree and I, I really like, like that perspective. But I also saw this thing. I mean, we were, I was like quite a bit of movies in those in these last weeks as I was traveling, you know, and I had like other stuff to do. Um, what I realized is that there are movies that they are designed with the idea of making you think. And they can be like a straightforward or they can be like thought provoking, you know? And this is one that is going to be like making you think and talk about it for this, okay, what exactly does it mean? Is there like some kind of figure? You know, like behind on what we are presenting. Like you might not know, but you can tell there's a deeper meaning. You might not get it, but Correct. you're like, no, I have to read about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing is that if you want to see that meaning or not, it's like when my mother was like, I don't care about this. I don't think that there is anything wrong. Is that my right. mother didn't care about like a movie that it has like a deeper meaning. My mother prefers movies that they are more straightforward, more of a here is the message, enjoy it. Well, now I want your mother to watch Mike Lee films because I feel like he's a. Uh... Here's the message. Deal with it for two hours. <laughs> I think that she would like. I right? think no, that, I think I your think mom would like. I would like now happy go lucky with her, because right. I would be interested, and I would like, like for your uncle to watch like happy go lucky and just decide is this a happy or a sad movie. Interestingly enough, my family has had fights about this because they see happy go lucky as a sad film because there's one conflictive scene. Other than that, she's I super happy. I, no. I told you that it's a, it's a drama, <laughs> and you don't believe me. It's fine. I This is the joy of cinema, right? We can yeah, go yeah, and experience yeah. different things. You're just wrong about my movies, so it's okay. <laughs> but <we> can... <laughs> okay, but going back to topic, you know, it's like I think that people, different auteurs use the medium for different purposes, yeah. you know, and I think that people like, even Lars von Trier, that we love to hate, hate to love, whatever we want to say, or Haneke, Leeds, Buñuel, Burma, is that they used the medium. They understood that the medium was like a vehicle, per se. And is that they could play with this vehicle. They could actually do like creative stuff with it. It doesn't have to be like just following like classic narrative. You know, like you start here and you present like this super linear story. And there's conflict, climax, yep. resolution. Yep. Tarantino, for example, is more like that. Oh yeah, he's when you look at like discrete charm, it's like, oh no, Tarantino plays by the books. I mean he's good at it. He's great at it. He's but, an incredible But there's nothing that unorthodox. No no no, but he's an incredible storyteller. That's yeah. the reason what I say is that there is nothing wrong with taking the medium as a, a straightforward mechanism or taking it in a creative random way. 
important that they have value. It's like there are days that I want to watch like a Manuel movie and say it's like, oh my god, this is incredible. What this guy is doing is I've never seen it before, and this has been like 60 years, well, 50 years ago. And the other days that I say it's like, dude, I just want to watch Death Proof, and I haven't watched it in a very long time, and maybe we should. Yeah, yeah. So I think. Well, I always talk about this, that when we score a film, you always have to take into account, or I have to take into account, the difficulty of what they were attempting to do. Yeah. And what Buñuel was attempting to do, I think, was extremely difficult, and I think he nailed Just it. Just serious. Nailed yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, no, on that, I agree. It's, and we actually say that we tend to appreciate movies that they try to do something bold, even if they don't succeed. You know, so it's a way to say that, but you were also telling me about the guilty pleasures aspect. Is that you can also appreciate that you won't be saying that it's like this is high cinema, high end cinema, but you would say that this was entertaining. I got enjoyment out of it. You know, I can see people that they don't get enjoyment out of this picture, and I I don't think that that's like a character flaw. Yeah, it's just like what you want out of the movies you're watching. Yeah. Most people don't want anything more than a good story yeah. told through a superhero or a Tarantino. Yeah. yeah, and this is a story that can be resumed in one sentence. Group of friends try to have dinner. They Can't. fail. <laughs> uh, should we go over the questions? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, would you watch it again? I would watch it tomorrow. When did you watch it? Um, today is Monday, Thursday. Oh, Thursday, okay. Yeah. I watched it like two, no, like almost three weeks ago. Yeah, as soon as I arrived to. Well, this is a movie that honestly you don't have to remember the details, but it's more about concepts and like ideas. It's not like about who said what when, so. Yeah, 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 no, definitely that doesn't affect We will talk about other movies that have been more like that. That's for sure. <laughs> and I'm going to suffer with those. Uh, would you recommend this movie? Yeah, without a doubt. I think this is one of my favorite examples of absurdist cinema yeah i would recommend it too it's like i was a bit torn you know like with my parents i did the exercise of watching it with them my father was like this was pretty good is that the guy was not tired just like giving punches left and right you know like when you about like criticizing a bit the church criticizing a bit the rich criticizing a bit the stupid criticizing a bit the military the like military and latin america very oh, latin america yeah, yeah <laughs> tiny bit there you know putting it in there uh would you remember the movie I'm going to say no. Um, I remembered the iconic scenes, but I didn't remember details of characters, anything very specific, no. Oh, well, okay. Uh, I'm going to be like cheating, because at the end it's like, I think, would I remember like the general parts of the plot? And the answer is, yes, group of friends try to have dinner, they can't. <laughs> so you remember the sentence. Remind me, how many times have you seen this? This is the first time. I thought that I had watched it, but now I didn't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit more Spanish than you. Yes, Seems you are. Like. Yes, watching, watching like a Mexican You're director. like the new Spanish, Quinti Cantara, oh, and I'm like yeah, the Yeah, yeah, not the classics. <laughs> not you. you know, the French-Spanish Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, is there anything artistic about this movie? Yeah, I think, I think he's an extremely strong storyteller. Especially in that he knows exactly what he wants to say and exactly how to show it. I've never seen a director, well, we can talk about this, but maybe Yorgos Lanthimos, but he's so secure in his idea of the world he wants to create, yeah. that's very uncommon. And I yeah. think the actors were fantastic, the script writing was great. Yeah. 
Yeah, I uh, I agree. I agree. I think that the uh, like the directing, especially for just something like so surreal about like how the characters, how the actors can roll with it, and just like making it believable. I think that is great. Yeah. So it's like it's a strong directing. It's not like a like super heavy-handed. That's what I was telling you. Is that I like that he doesn't use music in an abusive manner. It's a bit more of I have this vision. I don't need like any other supporting mechanisms. No laugh tracks. <laughs> laugh tracks. <laughs> yeah, we watched so many movies with laugh tracks. I have to wonder like why laugh tracks were never a thing in comedies. In Spain? No, no, in, in anywhere. In comedies, in comedy movies. Oh, it's just a TV thing, right? It's a TV thing. Mm, interesting. It's, like, it's almost like, hey, the TV watcher needs help for just they're knowing little, what is fun and what is they're not. They're a little... Yeah, but the moviegoers, no, those are smart. <laughs> yeah, those are smart. <laughs> uh, is it a timeless piece? Yes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there are some things that are timely within it, like in regards to like classes and like, yeah. uh, technology, but but the themes are timeless, 100%. Yeah, yeah, the theme is like as long as we have a capitalist society, you know, is that there is always going to be classes as we know. And even if it was like socialist or communist, there will be classes. Uh, so from that perspective, a class discriminating, the other ridiculizing them, being corrupt. It's a, a tale as old as time. Yep. Uh, would you turn this into a TV show? No. This movie, in my mind, is so perfect in its place in film history yeah. that I would never alter it. Yeah, I don't even know how. Even like just thinking as an exercise about like how you could stretch these is that would it be like each one of these vignettes it would be like 30 minutes but I think that knowing that is that you have like 15 more minutes for seeing them not having dinner. Now that you mention it that way, I feel like if Ingmar Bergman turned this into six one-hour episodes, <laughs> I could be super into it. I'm still going to say no, okay, but, but okay. I can see how there might be some source material that you would expand. Alright, no, I'm going definitely with that. Could this have been a sword? Like a 50 minute short. It could have been shorter 100%, but I don't think it could be less than an hour. I'm going to go with yes. I'm going to go with yes because uh, I had the feeling that you could cut some pieces, but this is a bit more as, uh, as an exercise, more than actually. Like, could you have, could you deliver the same message and the same as previous with less than an hour? Probably not exactly the same, but at least like the core aspect of it. I just pick like four of these. I don't think that's crazy. I, it could be done, but yeah. I would. I guess I would want to stay in this world for longer than yeah. 60 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fair. Do uh, you think this movie could have been better? I'm going to say no. I, I'm not going to... No. No. <laughs> no. Period. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I don't think that there is... Anything that I would be like just changing, like straight. There is nothing like glaring that some other times that we see is like look at the script, this part was garbage. Yeah. You know, this dragged like a very long time. This was like a lot of stuff that it could be removed. In this case, it's like look, the guy had a vision, the guy had an idea, he pushed for it and he succeeded. It made me think about Berman on that aspect, you know, about like how you Birdman or Bergman? The director. Okay, I didn't know if you were talking about Birdman. Birdman. Oh, the movie. Yeah. Uh, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. It actually confused me about like what Birdman. Uh, 
because I also had the feeling that he was more of a uh, had this idea of this movie that I want to to do, and he already had like this visual idea on his yeah. head, and everything was about like portraying that visual image in his head into celluloid. I, I get the impression that Buñuel is a like genuinely a master, just like Tarkovsky. Well, how I feel Tarkovsky is, Imar Bergman, um, fucking Italian guy. Mastroianni. No, the director. Oh, the Antonio. Antonio. Yeah. Besides blow up, but you, <laughs> but you can tell he has those like fundamental cinema. Like he's a master of cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He knows the video, yes. and he was like, I think that at that time it was like easier to experiment with yeah. it, you know. And now it's still, I still think that directors, and I know that you're not going to like this, but it's like even Gaspar Noé, I feel like he experiments with the video quite a bit. No, I agree completely. Yeah, so it's like. That the result and why he experiments with it is a different thing, you know? The success of his experiments are less than Buñuel's. <laughs> Correct, that's true. Uh, and the complexity of the ideas that he wants to portray, it may not be as high as Buñuel's. Yeah. You know? But it's still like you still have inventors that he experiments. So. Lars, Hanneke, yeah. Lynch. Yeah, yeah. Gaspar Noé. Fincher, to a more mainstream yeah, extent. Yeah. Leo Carax. You may not like him, but I think that but he is playing better. with the medium He's in a very medium. inappropriate way. <laughs> uh, okay, so we score this good time. Yes, this was my pick, so you have to score. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with an eight point five. I knew that would be your score, and mine is a nine. I think this is both good and important, and the context of the passage of time has proved that this is yep. this is a great film. Yeah, I'm, the thing is, like, I was just checking that I gave an 8.5 also to The Stimulating Angel. And for me, it's like this, I like The Stimulating Angel a tiny bit more, but I don't think that this is worse than The Stimulating Angel. It's more like The Stimulating Angel, it has like this, like, pressure of how they degrade in a linear kind of manner. And on this one, it, it feels like a movie that I could have started in one scene and ended in any other. You could have reshuffled. By some of the scenes and nothing would have happened. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and it's not that it's better or worse, it's just that for me it clicks a tiny bit less. But I understand the opinion of liking it, but you don't think either one was better in terms of filmmaking or storytelling? Of the storytelling? I think that the Stimulating Angel is better for storytelling. Huh? But it's I was going to say, like, it's simpler. It's like, no, it's not simpler than, hey, we're going for dinner. <laughs> we can have dinner. The other ones, at least they have dinner, and now they cannot leave. <laughs> but it's pretty funny that these two movies are directed by the same director. That is like, hey, you really like the idea of dinner parties gone wrong. Yeah, he clearly had, like, an idea. I wonder if something happened in his childhood. Or <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that it's more... He probably... Wusu was like uh, Los Olvidados, The Forgotten, I think it's called. Uh, he he plays a lot with the uh, with the class uh, with classes, and one thing that probably is very iconic about like when the uh, the problems of a specific classes get displayed is when you get like a lot of those people like together for just like doing something that they all share. In this case, like these dinner parties is a bit more of a, a this is like the perfect setup for me to just like play with different archetypes because at the end the characters are just that is that we don't care too much about like where they come from or where they're going. 
But it's interesting that when we watched Viridiana, I felt like that was extremely critical of the low class. And I felt the high like class too. To a much lesser extent, much lesser. But I felt like um, Discreet Charm was very critical of the middle class. So maybe he only likes the high class. <laughs> so, like an exterminating angel. Yeah. When they start degrading and they start saying that, like, let's kill him. So yeah. he hates all classes. Yeah, he, all right. he hates people. All right. I like Maybe him. that's the case. But he likes it in a bit more of a sophisticated manner than right. Trier. He's like polite ruler. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, so for the next one, that's going to be my pick. Your pick. It's going to be my pick. And just going, remaining like a bit on the absurd, quote unquote, we're going to be watching a movie that I think that I threatened you like many, many times to pick. That is the Thermal Science of Respondents Mind. Threaten me? I love that film. I know, but I've been mentioning it almost since we started recording this podcast because I really like it. We watch like most of the movies. Sorry, most of the couple of movies. And this is Spike Jones. No, it's not. It's country. Oh, fuck. Country. I always confuse those. Damn it. All right. Well, <laughs> until next time. Okay. Bye. <laughs>